Mark 10, verses 17 through 31. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Uh, so, so glad that you are here. Thanks for coming. Welcome those of you at our East service, those of you tuning in online. Welcome. All right, this is Baptism Sunday. We have 57 people who are going to be baptized today, which is, yeah, you can clap. That's great. It is also the final week of our 10-week series in the Gospel of Mark that we've been calling Jesus the One True King. And we designed this series so that this final message would kind of explain why people have chosen to be baptized. So if you're here and you are wondering why in the world would anybody come and get dunked in a tank in front of all these people, uh, hopefully this will help answer that. Uh, we are in Mark chapter 10, so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 10. You can open it up in your phone or a tablet, or if you're going to use one of our Bibles in the pews here in the sanctuary or over in the back of East Hall, it's on page 794, page 794. Uh, the, the story we just had read to us is a pretty famous, pretty troubling story. Uh, it's when Jesus has this conversation with a young man that is simply, usually he's simply referred to as the, the rich young ruler. And that phrase, rich young ruler, that's a packed title. I mean, if you're going to try to explain, describe this guy in today's age, you would say something like uh, 
this kind, generous, savvy, wildly successful CEO whose business donates a percentage of their profits each year to, to feed starving children. Right? This guy was a really, really good guy. And the thing that's troubling about this conversation that he has with Jesus is it seems like he has come to Jesus just to ask how he can become even better. And Jesus tells him to go and do something, and let's be honest, that very few of us could or would ever do. He tells this guy to go and give everything away, divest, give away his 401k, sell his company, distribute all his wealth, and then come and follow Jesus. And the question is, why? Why would Jesus do that? All right, I have uh, three points that I want to pull out of this passage so you know where I'm going, all right? So the first thing is I want to look at the, the dangerous connection, the dangerous connection, the fatal illusion, and the wonderful invitation. First, the dangerous connection. When this guy walks away, Jesus turns and he talks to his disciples, and I want you to just Look with me at that conversation, and particularly the disciples' response. It says this, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Okay, in that passage, the disciples, when Jesus says that this guy would find it very difficult, if not impossible, to enter the kingdom of God, it says they were amazed and they were astonished. And the reason for that is that in Judaism at that time, there was a one-to-one -one connection between how your life was going and how God felt about you. One-to-one. -one. So if your life was going really well, it's obvious that God was pleased with you. And if your life was going lousy, then it was obvious that God was displeased with you. And to be fair, that's easy to make that connection because, I mean, there are certain ways you can disobey God that will wreak havoc on your life. And there are certain times when you can obey God and it will have a benefit to your life. But it's not a one-to-one -one connection. It's not that simple. The Bible is always more nuanced and sophisticated when it comes to this. You know, if you look at the book of Job, you know, Job has this catastrophic thing happen to him. And his friends come, and his friends look at what happened, and they say to Job, what did you do? Holy cow. I mean, you must have done something that really displeased God because no one goes through this kind of suffering unless they have terribly displeased God. But in the book of Job, we, right at the beginning, we get a kind of a peek behind the curtain and we realize that's not why Job is getting hammered, that there was evil, there were evil forces at work, right? And, you know, it seems like, like it's, it's not that bad to make the connection between how you're living your life and God's blessing on you when things are going well. 
Your life is going well, and you kind of get some pleasure out of saying, you know, I'm living right, and God is blessing me. And that's kind of innocent enough until things go wrong. And when things go bad in your life, and many of you are facing very difficult things, if you make this one-to-one connection, then you are left with a couple of options. One is that you must have done something bad to deserve what you're going through, Or God is bad because he's giving you something that you don't deserve. And it's not that simple. Like the the book of Mark is about the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus goes through suffering. Usually when we think about Jesus suffering, we think about the cross, which is understandable and it's good. But Jesus went through a lot more suffering than I was this past week. I uh, had an interaction with a guy who just really doesn't like me. And I know that's hard to believe, but true. I mean, this guy made it obvious he doesn't like me at all. And this is what I know about myself. I like to be liked, right? And it hurts to be rejected. That happened to Jesus all the time. I mean, people were constantly reading into his motives. They, were, they would listen to his sermons to see if he would make one mistake. They, when he went out with his friends, they called him a drunk. They called him demon-possessed. It's wild what they did to Jesus. And Jesus lived an absolutely perfect life, pleasing to God in every way. And he went through the thousand different paper cuts that you go through. And then the the deep gashes that we all go through if we live long enough. And not once did Jesus say, this must be because I'm bad and I deserve this, or this must be because God is bad and he's giving me what I don't deserve. Jesus understood the nuance. Jesus understood what it was like to live in a broken world with sharp edges. And this is my thing. Be, Be careful and making this one-to-one connection between how your life is going and how God feels about you. Because if you do, if you make it that simple, you will either be full of pride when your life is going well, and then full of resentment when your life isn't. All right, that's the dangerous connection. Then let's talk about the fatal illusion. Jesus actually goes after two things uh, with this young guy. He goes after money, and he goes after morality. Uh, The idea that you can have enough, and the idea that you can be good enough. All right, let's talk about money first. Now, I want you to know that this is the only place that Jesus ever does this. I mean, he, throughout the Gospels, he deals with people on a wide range of wealth, from very poor to very wealthy. This is the only time that he says to somebody, you have to go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. So I I don't want you to think this is a prerequisite to follow Jesus. But Jesus does talk a lot about money because money is both sneaky and it's sticky. It's sneaky and it's sticky. It's sneaky in that no one knows. You don't know and I don't know how powerful money is in your life or in my life. You, you, You cannot know the place that money has in your heart or what you're counting on money to do for you, whether you have a lot of it or a little of it. That's how it's sneaky. But it's also sticky, and that's why 
The Bible is constantly calling us to be generous, faithful, consistent givers. Because that is the the path to maturity, to freedom, to joy. But that's for another sermon, right? But the way that money can be an illusion is that money gives you control. The more money you have, the more control you have over things in your life. Like, uh, I remember when my wife and I, early on in our marriage, we went to Bolivia, South America, to see if God wanted us to be missionaries. I knew that God wanted me in ministry. I didn't know where. So we went to Bolivia. And uh, we didn't have much money at all. We were missionaries. And uh, I was sitting in our little apartment one time. It was just sweltering hot. I mean, sweltering. And I looked at my window, and I thought, man, if I had like $300, which I didn't, I could buy an, uh, an air conditioning put in that window, and I could change the climate right here, right where I am. And that, that's the first time it struck me, that if you have enough money, you, HVAC actually changes the climate wherever you are, like the climate is changed right here in this room. Very cool. But the illusion is the more money you have, the more control you have over life. But no matter how much money you have, you never control the very big things. You can't ever control tragedy or suffering or death, right? I mean, the mortality rate for the wealthiest people in the world is still hovering right around 100%, right? (laughs) All the money in the world is, and Jesus comes to this guy and he says, listen, you're counting, Jesus is the one who would know where money is in this guy's heart. And he would say, listen, all the money in the world isn't going to fill the hole that you're trying to, it's not made to fill that hole. I am. Come to me. Come to me. But then he goes after morality, too, the idea that you can be good enough. Like, right at the beginning of this uh, conversation, this way it goes, and it says, and as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Didn't that strike you as weird? I mean, the This guy says, good teacher. He didn't mean anything by it. He's just given Jesus the title of respect. And Jesus goes, why do you call me good? Like that? If I was that guy, I would go, good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. I'd be going, okay. Why does Jesus do that? Well, Jesus is trying to show this guy that goodness is relative. I mean, you know that. You're good only compared to who you look at. Uh, my wife has a love-hate relationship with sunny days. I mean, everybody in Northeast Ohio, we love sunny days. And my wife loves a sunny day. But the other day, I was sitting with her at the kitchen table. And it was one of those beautiful, sunny mornings. And the sun was shining in. And I looked over at my wife's face, and her face was, she was horrified. And I said, honey, what, what, what's wrong? And she goes, look at the dust. Right? And I looked where she was pointing. It was underneath one of our like side tables. And yeah, you could write your name in that thing. You know, I was just going, oh my gosh, right? And it's always like that, right? You think things are clean. You think your windows are clean until the, the light comes in. That's the way it is with your life. With mine, you, you think you're good until you stand in light. And God is called light. 
Right? And this guy tells Jesus, all these commands I have kept from my youth up. Jesus goes, oh, oh yeah, 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 you, you think you're good. Right? You feel like you're good, but you've never stepped into light, not really. And if you ever step into the light, into God's light, you realize only God is good. You're not even close. Right? You, you want to kind of understand a little bit of the image of baptism? It's that. 57 people have realized that goodness is an illusion, that they, they felt like they were good people on this scale, but, and then they saw themselves in God's light, and we're, they were just going, oh, what do I do? And that, this is the, the, the really bad temptation, is to try to get a rag and clean yourself up, and God says that won't work. What you need to do is be plunged into the grace that is provided for you through Jesus. That's what they're doing. They're saying, oh, this is what I need. If I'm ever going to be good enough, if I'm ever going to have the security that I want, then it's Jesus that I really want. And that brings me to the last point, which is the wonderful invitation. I love it that Jesus doesn't just chide this guy for not understanding that goodness is relative, and he doesn't just tell this guy money is too important to you, you need to give it all away. Jesus also gives him an invitation, and it is an absolutely amazing, wonderful invitation. He's saying, come and follow me. And what Jesus is saying to this guy is, listen, the thing you hoped money would do for you, the thing you wanted, you kept all those commands, the thing you hoped that would do for you, what you really want is me. Right? There's a passage in Isaiah that uh, I have loved for a long time. It's uh, in Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. This is what it says. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in the richest of food. You know that saying? That's what Jesus is trying to tell this guy. He said, well, you're trying to get money to do for you what only I can do. You're trying to find something that only I can provide. Come to me. Come to me. Listen, if you are here right now and there's something, you know, the, this conversation with this young man starts with this young man saying, tell me what I lack. What he realizes is that something was missing. It's that nagging feeling that everything that you have is not quite enough. If that's the way you feel right now, I mean, if you feel just this nagging feeling that you're lacking something, it's Jesus that you're lacking. And this is his invitation to you, right? You want to know why these people are coming here and being baptized? It's because they've actually asked Jesus, what do I lack? You know, there's a story in John chapter 4 of a woman coming to a well. It's a Samaritan woman who comes to a well and has this conversation with Jesus. You know, she, she's been married five times. The brokenness is palpable. And Jesus says to her, listen, if you'd only ask me, I would become for you a river of living water. You will never thirst. What's he saying? He's saying, 
I'm the one Isaiah was talking about. I'm the one who can satisfy you deep down. So these people are coming, and they've, they've gone to Jesus, and they said, what do I lack? And Jesus said, you lack me. I'm the one. I will fill you with the satisfaction, with the security that you long for. I am the one who can make you good enough because I paid the price for you. I am uh, teaching a four-week series for our high school students. And I taught the first week last week. And somebody asked me a question, what's your favorite Bible verse? Which is a hard question for me to answer. But I, I told them 2 Corinthians 5.21. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. I love that. Because it talks about an exchange, and that's what I need. What I don't need is God to throw me a rag and say, clean yourself up. I can't do that. I don't know how. So Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, comes to me and he says, I will exchange your house for mine, your life for mine. Take it. Listen, if you are here right now and you're thinking, man, I haven't heard this before. I don't understand a lot of it. I come from a different background or anything. We want to, you know, churches have a bad reputation of, of not wanting people to ask questions. That's not our church. We want you to ask questions. We feel like you deserve answers to your questions. If during baptism you're trying to figure it all out, we have something just for you. Uh, Pastor Zach Wyrock and his wife Amy host something at their house so it can be informal. You can ask anything you want to ask about Christianity. We're calling it Exploring Christianity. Do not leave. If that's you, do not leave before you stop by Next Steps area and just get the information so you can decide whether you want to come or not. All right? All right, but now I'm going to pray. Then we're going to take communion. We're going to watch a short video on baptism, and then we're going to celebrate as people are baptized. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Father in heaven, I'm so, so grateful. I'm grateful for this uh, conversation that you had with uh, a man who uh, is probably a lot like me, a lot like a lot of us. Uh, I pray that uh, you will help us, all of us, for making that dangerous connection from how well our lives are going to how pleased you are with us. I pray that you would uh, help us with the fatal illusion of either having enough or being good enough, but more than anything, I pray that we will all answer the wonderful invitation of Jesus to follow him because it's through his life, death, and resurrection that is enough for the longing deep down in our souls. Thank you. Thanks for Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.